Lovers, welcome to Literary Elixirs, where we match books with delicious food and drink. I'm Justine the Librarian, and I'll be chatting with various bibliophiles about their favourite recommended reads and just what elixir they'd choose to pair for a wonderful reading experience. Joining me for this episode's online chat is Australian author Karen Turner. Karen is the author of three novels, Torn, Inviolate, and most recently, Stormbird. Karen, hi, thank you so much for joining me today, and welcome to Literary Elixirs. Hi, Justine. Thanks for having me. It's such a pleasure. I um, just recently finished Stormbird, actually, and uh, thought it was a really beautiful, beautiful novel. Um, Thank you. I now have to go back. I haven't read the first two. I didn't realise it was actually part of a series, Um, but it was so lovely. I'm going to just tell everyone a little bit about it. Um, So Stormbird is set in Yorkshire in 1941 and tells the story of an unexpected relationship that builds between a British war widow and a German fighter pilot shot down and in hiding on her farm. I particularly love the ghostly influences in the story, but I had no idea how all the different threads would come together at the end. And I really wanted to ask you, I was very curious when I finished it, I was like, ah, did she know? Did you always know the ending? Did you write write it backwards? Well, um... I'll let you into a little secret, so don't tell anybody this. Um, (laughs) But uh, Stormbird was actually supposed to be the first book in the series. Um, And when I started writing, so I always knew how it would end. So I knew who the ghost was and I knew how this this ghost would influence the characters in the the book, Stormbird. Um, But as I started writing it, one of the characters, um, Alexandra, whose story is in porn, started coming out and it's almost like she started taking on um, a greater importance in my mind. So I stopped writing Stormbird and went back and wrote Torn. So, yes, I knew how it was all going to end in the bigger picture, but when you get down to the detail, I didn't quite know. With regard to um, Stormbird in particular, by the time I finished writing that book, um, you'll notice that there was an epilogue at the end. Until I got to that epilogue, I honestly didn't know how it was going to, how that story of Jessica and, and the, the German man, how that would end. I thought I knew and I hoped I knew, but when you get to that level of character development where the characters seem to take on a life of their own, um, you kind of let them run with it. And by the time I got to the end of writing the chapters, I thought I knew how it would end and I went on and wrote the epilogue and it ended pretty much as I hoped. So I, I hope it ended the way you hoped as well. It was a lovely it. ending. I was reading and getting to the end and going, we're getting really close, what's going to happen? <laughs> and oh, that's exciting. Yeah, <laughs> so much action as well at the end there too. Um, I don't want to spoil it for anybody who might want to pick it up afterwards, but um, it absolutely can stand on its own. Um, you don't need to read the others to read it, which is lovely. Um, I was interested. Um, that that makes a lot of sense that uh, that that character jumped out because she's a really great character, um, Alexandra. Mm-hmm. So I can see why you were like, I need to write about her a bit. Um, but I, I just yeah, I thought it was just so interesting. So you'd or you you'd had. Stormbird in mind, then you found this character and that voice spoke to you. And um, basically I was interested in that 
setting of the hundred year that like Alexandra's story from Torn and in Violet is set a hundred years earlier in um, and she's a previous inhabitant of the farm where Stormbird is set. But then this Stormbird is set um, in war-torn Britain um, in that same setting. And I was interested in what made you continue to write the setting um, with, you know, with those original characters. But I guess that was that character coming through for you. That's right. She came through so strongly that I stopped, as I said, I stopped writing Stormbird and went back and I wrote Torn. And Torn was meant to be just one book because I thought I'll get that done and then I'll go on and I'll do Stormbird. But Alexandra's story took on such importance that it had to become two books. So I wrote Inviolate after that. And, um, and then, of course, Alexandra's story kind of finishes at the end of Inviolate. And that's why when I went on to write Stormbird, Stormbird was where I originally planned to be. Um, the fact that Alexandra sort of imposed herself on the story was not originally part of the plan, but it seemed to be a good lead up. And I think that's also why you can read Stormbird as an independent book. But I like everybody to read all three because that's the way it sort of evolved in my own mind. Absolutely. And I, it's now I'm really interested in this character as well, Alexandra, and I really want to know her <laughs> personal story. So you get glimpses of it throughout. Um, I did want to ask as well, you have a connection, don't you, with Yorkshire? Is that why you chose that setting? Yes. Um, my mother was born in Yorkshire. She was born in 1941 in Leeds. And so the descriptions that you'll see in Stormbird uh, when the character Jessica is, she's driving through Leeds. Um, that is real. That is exactly as my mother described it. And um, the way they live, the rubble, the, the, my mum recalls playing in the rubble like kids today go to the park. Um, they didn't have that. And they had these buildings that were just destroyed and rows and rows of buildings. If you recall um, from things we've seen on TV, how... In England, they have rows of houses, the rows of terraced houses. Mum would describe these rows of houses where you had everything bombed out and then one house just standing there. And I tried to illustrate that when I was writing Stormbird. And the, the, the descriptions are reflections of my mum. My mum passed away about eight years ago, so she's never got the chance to read Stormbird. But the descriptions are there and the way she lived um, playing in cellars and rubble and my grandmother drove an ambulance around Leeds during the war and um, during that time so a lot of the stories a lot of the descriptions the street names everything is real everything is real and it's just as it was the way my mum described it you can get that sense of, of realness too because, yeah, I'm reading it and I've actually been lucky enough, I, I lived in England very briefly, um, well, actually for four years, for, <laughs> but quite a while ago now. Um, it feels brief now. Um, and I, I've been to those, those locations that you describe, or a lot, some of them anyway, and, um, and I know what you mean about these, you know, these houses all in a row, but obviously I've not seen them bombed out, but I... I, I I just got that sense of, of realness and, um, and yeah, was wondering if you'd ever been yourself to see those locations. Yes, I have. In fact, when I was uh, 19, I was uh, actually a story saving up for my first car and I was having a race with my brother as to who could uh, build their savings account up as, you know, the fastest. And I remember I was working in retail and this was good heavens like 30 odd years ago and I was on about $180 a week. I, I thought I was loaded. And my brother and I had this competition and we 
we got up to $1,000 in our, our little passport accounts and then we got up to $2,000 and the competition was on. And then one day I just decided I've had enough. Um, my parents were divorced and I was living with dad and my brothers and I just, the only girl in the house, I'd had enough, decided I wasn't buying the car and I went and bought an airline ticket. Wow. And um, my grandmother on my mother's side was living in, in Yorkshire in a country village outside of Leeds and that village is called Otley. And in my book, it's called Woolston. So the description of Woolston is Otley and the street names, the shops, the, the pubs, everything is real. I don't know why I called it a different name. I just did. Um, but that is Otley and that was the village that I actually went and lived in. And I lived with my grandma there for a while, came home and sort of got caught up in um, work and life and boyfriends and things you do. And it wasn't until oh, maybe about 20 years later, 25 years later, I was with my, who is now my husband, um, my then boyfriend, and um, we decided to take a trip to the UK. And I said to him, let's go to Otley. It's where I used to live with Grandma, and Grandma was long deceased at that point. So we went there. Uh, we went to, I showed him the house where I lived. We went to the pubs. We did all the same things. It was very nostalgic for me. And the pub where my grandma and I used to go every night before dinner, we'd go and have just one drink with the friends in the neighbourhood, as you do, it was the culture, and then we'd go home and have tea. So when I was there with my, my boyfriend, uh, we went to the same pub and I was in the middle of saying, this is where I used to sit, and that's where grandma sat, and this is, and he proposed in the pub. Oh, so it's very romantic. Um, now, we've been married 18 years. It'll be 19 years this year. And uh, since then, we've gone back regularly. We go back maybe every year or two. We stay in Otley. Um, last year, I got my British citizenship, so the plan is that we will eventually move there. Um, I'd like to do a year there probably and, and live there in, in, in Otley. Um, to be honest, I have a very elderly cat who won't travel well, so it's really up to her. Um, we won't be going anywhere until she's left us. Um, but once the time comes, we plan to go and live over there for a year because uh, we go every year and we actually spent last Christmas there. Oh, so uh, I feel very, very attached to Yorkshire, but in particular um, Otley and, and Leeds. Mm. Um, you can tell because the descriptions in Stormbird, Stormbird are so loving. They really are and, 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 and they really just shine through. Um, and I, I, thought, I thought it was a beautiful, beautiful book, beautiful story. Like I said, I was getting, getting to the end going, how is this all going to come together? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all part of my evil plan. Yes, it is indeed, isn't it? Um, but no, it is absolutely lovely. I don't normally think of um, a, like a pairing for um, the authors that I'm talking to books, but to be honest, it just was obvious that it would be a mulled wine or an old English, you know, ale or one of those kind of classic, you know, you get yeah, it in I think so. I think, <laughs> I think so, definitely mulled wine. Um, if I was going to say anything, if we're harking back to the time, as you re recall, during the war, there was a lot of rationing going on. So not all the products that we would expect to be able to buy now were available. And uh, so I think maybe if we were back in Jessica's time, we might have, um, I don't know, maybe some home-baked bread made from the national grain and uh, a cup of tea, very weak because tea was rationed. Um, but I think if we were there now, we'd probably have 
I don't know, maybe a mulled wine and uh, I'm vegetarian, so I wouldn't have the pork pie, but maybe somebody <laughs> might prefer a pork pie. But, uh, um, yeah, yeah, but they, they love, uh, they have a lot of cakes and pastries and things over there, so I'm pretty sure we'd find ourselves a nice piece of cake and a cup of tea. Love it. I, I must also, just harking back to that, um, the national flower, Yes. For it where Marg is like sifting it and the bran is like set aside for the chickens. I was like, oh, I'm a baker as well. I like just for, you know, yeah. mental health at this point in time. Um, but I was <laughs> reading that going, oh, no, no, that's horrible. <laughs> so, yeah, I can relate it. to that. Actually, because yeah. I'm a baker too. We bake all our own bread here. And I have a, a sourdough starter, which I feed like a pet and uh, make sourdough for my husband and I every week. And while I was doing my research and understanding the national flower, and I thought it sounded horrible. I've seen some photos of it. It was this dreadful grey colour, but it was enriched with calcium and other nutritional values because the, the government wanted people to stay as healthy as possible. They had to stay healthy. And due to rationing, they couldn't get the variety of food that they wanted. So, you know, they had this national flower. And it, it really sounded horrible. It was chewy and tasteless and not anywhere near what we're used to these days. Mm, I definitely, yeah, I shuddered at that particular <laughs> All right. So let's get on with it then. I asked you to think about two of your favourite books and yeah. what you would pair to eat or drink with those books. So let's hear what your first pick is. Okay. Well, um, we've talked about my mother being English. My father was Italian. And uh, I've spent a lot of time in, in Italy as well. In fact, I do most of my writing in Italy. One of the books that I particularly enjoyed reading was a book called Too Much Tuscan Sun and it was written by a tour guide whose name was Dario Costagno. Now, Dario is uh, my family, my dad's family was from Sicily, but Dario was from Tuscany and he was a British-born man, but he was uh, Italian. He was from Tuscany. He went and lived in Tuscany and he became a tour guide specifically for Americans visiting Tuscany. And if you've been to Tuscany, you know, it's quite hilly. A lot of the villages are, are perched on top of hills, so there's a lot of walking, a lot of hills. And these, um, his, his book is, is all about just funny little anecdotes, experiences that he had with uh, American tourists and, uh, you know, the unsuspecting American tourist who arrives in Tuscany doesn't realise they've got to walk up to the top of that hill and, and some of his stories, and it was absolutely hilarious. So I think that if, uh, when I'm reading this book, I would particularly enjoy, even though Tuscany is famous for um, Chianti, I would think I would particularly enjoy a, an Aperol spritz with some home-baked ciabatta dipped in some really fresh olive oil. I love it. Yes, because olive I'm oil in that, in that region as well, is, it, it's, it's quite strong, isn't it? It's quite, it's it quite is good. strong and um, it has a really, if you can imagine something tasting green, it has a very green, fresh um, flavour, very strong flavour. So I, I think when I think about this book, and it's been a few years since I read it, but, yeah, I would really enjoy it. And Aperol Spirits, I can see myself actually. I've got the book in one hand, my Aperol scripts in the other, and every now and then I put my drink down and I have a bit of home baked, it's got to be home baked ciabatta. Preferably <laughs> a little bit warm from the oven and dip it into this really fresh olive oil. That's, mm -hmm. that's what I'm imagining. I can taste it. 
Oh, sounds yum. When you imagine that, do you imagine yourself there in the summer or the winter? Summer, when I um, I go to Italy to do my writing, I, I do it specifically because I need to take myself out of my environment here where there's no cats, no husbands, no housework, nothing to worry about. I go and I, I um, rent an apartment in Rome and I just sit there and it's always summer. I love it. And I do volunteer work at an animal shelter in Rome um, so it gets me away from my desk a couple of days a week. And uh, because it's summer, I have my favourite cafe and I treat myself once a week to, it's called Cafe Murulana, and I go there and I get my bowl of tomato spaghetti and an Aperol spritz and I just sit there and watch the street go past. And it's noisy, it's dirty, it's, it's loud and in your face and all the things that Rome is, what we love about it. But I've got my Aperol spritz and I am in heaven. <laughs> Sounds amazing. I really <laughs> go, it's killing me right now. All right. <laughs> One second, yeah, because we're all in lockdown. We're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. All right. Well, it's my turn now because I don't like to let my guests do all the work. So I chose a pairing. Um, I've been thinking a lot about this particular book. It won the Stella Prize last year and it's a brilliant, although quite tough read, The Erratics by Vicky Laveau Harvey. Have you read it? No, I haven't, but the name sounds really intriguing. Mm, it is. It's really, really good. It's a memoir. Um, so when the author's elderly mother is hospitalised unexpectedly, Vicky and her sister travel to their parents' isolated ranch home in Alberta, Canada, to help their father. Estranged from their parents for many years, Vicky and her sister are horrified by what they discover on their arrival. Vicky's mother has camouflaged her manic delusions and savage unpredictability, and over the decades, she's managed to shut herself and her husband away from the outside world, systematically starving him and making him a virtual prisoner in his own home. Heavens. Yeah, I know. It's, it's dark. Um, Vicky and her sister have a lot to do in very little time as they try to ensure that she does not get back and, and get um, their father back in her clutches. So at every step of the way as well, they have to contend with their mother, who to everyone else appears charming and charismatic, but whose favourite phrase during their childhood was, I'll get you and you won't even know I'm doing it. Oh, wow. It's no. really hard. Like, it's a really dark story about family, but it's beautifully written even when it's painful to read. And I, I, I was thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. And I was like, you really need something sweet to pair with it because you just need some sweetness to get you through it, essentially. And I don't really have a sweet tooth, so it took me a little while, but I... um recently tried a red wine hot chocolate. I don't know if you've mm. ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> and I think yeah, I've had perfect. Chocolate. You can buy Shiraz chocolate, which is really nice. Well, no, this is literally a hot chocolate with red wine in it. It's a drink. Oh, hello. I know. <laughs> Actually, um, I, I like the one that they make with either coconut milk or coconut cream, but you can use, I think, pretty much any milk. Um, mm. So coconut milk, red wine, dark chocolate bits. You can add cinnamon or nutmeg or vanilla essence if you prefer. Um, some people add brown sugar to get it to a bit more sweetness level, although I, I don't that have that much of a sweet tooth so I don't add to that and then you heat it all up on the stove top until it's really nice and hot and then you drink it slowly sipping and savoring that sweetness and um, I think that the warmth of the chocolate and the red wine kick with the little sweetness um, would pair perfectly with the erratic so I think so I'm going to try both Yes, <laughs> there's recipes all over the internet. You'll be able to find it. And then, yeah, you just add the kind of flavours you like. So if you want to keep it really simple or you want to add your spices or your vanilla or your sugar, um, you can. So, yeah. Oh, yum. So I guess you just have to keep trying and trying until you get the flavour combination you like. 
And in that time, you've got a really good book to enjoy. Exactly. And it's a really rich drink as well. And so it's mm. not for just glugging away. You sip it slowly. So I think it, that helps. And then you get that little sweet kick. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I'm there. <laughs> I'm going to have one tonight even. Um, okay. So next up, what's your second pairing that you've chosen for us today? Okay. Now, my second book is by an author that is probably my favourite author of all time. It's a lady called um, Pamela Bell. And Pamela Bell writes historic fiction. And um, her, her book, my favourite book of hers, is a book called The um, Moon in the Water. And because it's set um, historically in England, it's set during the British Civil War, so back in the 1600s, I'm thinking um, tea, a, a pot of tea, you know, no jiggle dangle thing, the, the pot of loose leaf tea on a tray with a beautiful china cup, and I have to say Tim Tams. Really? I love Tim Tams. <laughs> So I know that's, I know I was I was about to lead into something really classy, wasn't I, with the teapot and everything else, and then I whip out a packet of arnets. But, hey, you, you Tim Tams with everything, honestly. So that's what I would do, and I love this book. I've read it several times over, and its sequel, um, and I thoroughly recommend it, though it's hard to find these days. She stopped writing many years ago, and I wish she would keep writing, but anyway. It is about a uh, young girl who is orphaned and goes to live in a family of cousins and it's during the British Civil War and the family are very supportive of the king. But the eldest son, um, sorry, not the eldest son, the second eldest son uh, supports the, the parliament. So he's at odds with his older brother. When the, the older brother inherits the estate, um, the two brothers are at loggerheads and they end up fighting one fights for the king and the other fights for parliament on opposite sides of, of the war. And uh, it, it has devastating effects on the family. But also this young girl, is um, she, she falls in love with the, the brother who's on the opposite side of the, the family. So he's, she falls in love with Francis, who's actually fighting for parliament. And uh, the, the family is all united against him. And because she's fallen in love with him, it makes it very, very difficult. Uh, for them to be together and um, she's growing to womanhood she grows up it's a it's a coming of age story and about um, it goes into a lot of historical detail about the war um, and about the whys and the wherefores of the war it's it's um, very historically accurate and I think it has influenced my writing greatly because I try to build a lot of accuracy into my historical writing as well and I think that I've been influenced greatly by Pamela Bell. I love these books. She's also written um, other books. There was one called, um, well, the the, history, the the sequel to um, The Moon in the Water is called The Chains of Fate. And then there is another one that's written later on and it's all about um, when uh, oh, the, the back in the court, the family goes to court and they're, they're with the king and everything else um, when he's reinstated. But it's um, it's historical fiction at its best. I just love it. I love all her writing. She's also written a series of um, sci-fi books, a complete change from her historical fiction. And um, this is the Silver City trilogy. And um, I'm not a sci-fi reader, but I love those books as well. So. Um, 
Pamela Bell, yeah, one of my favourite writers of all time, but unfortunately not many people have heard of her. So. I'm definitely going to be looking her up. I'm sensing a theme with you and um, difficult relationships. You know, Jessie and Anton <laughs> have got to have one of the most yeah. difficult relationships. I know, I know. The old forbidden love story. Uh, <laughs> Don't we just love that. a forbidden love story? And I have a question. It's a very important question. Are you an original, a double coat? Like, Tim Tan-wise, where do you sit on, on the spectrum? Oh, look. I am a bit of a traditionalist. I like the uh, the original Tim Tams, but I have to say I've got a weakness for the the one with the raspberry jelly stuffing. In oh, yeah. who? Oh, I don't it like the left of field. No, I know, I know. And you look, I I don't like to be traded to the original, but you know, I do like that one. Um, I particularly love, you know, when you dunk them and they go all soft and you just slam them and your mouth is just <laughs> good It's old just disgusting, but it's great. <laughs> you can tear through a packet of Tim Tams in no time and then I have to go out jogging because, you know, there are consequences. <laughs> <laughs> that there are, that there are. I love mm. that pairing so much with your beautiful, lovely pot of tea and, tea and the pot and the silverware and, oh, yeah, the china. And then a packet of Tim Tams ready to just... I know. And you know what? You don't even put them on a plate or anything. You just take them out and they're sitting in that plastic tray. They're just waiting for you. I love it. I absolutely love that. That's really, really good. I'm definitely going to have to look up Pamela Bell. I love science fiction as well as historical romances. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, that's that was the it. We went through so quickly, but that was so lovely. I loved hearing about your favorite books and their perfect pairings. Thank you so much for being part of this episode today, Karen. And for everyone out there listening, do yourself a favor and grab one or all three of Karen's books. If you love strong female characters, adventure, and historical romances, you'll love them, just like I did. Um, is there anything else you wanted to mention? Probably not. I think the only thing would be to say to everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, and when you're in lockdown, get yourself a good book. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> and maybe, yeah, some Tim Tams and a glass of wine. <laughs> yes, That's all from me, folks. You can find out more about Karen via her website, karenturner.com.au, and you can follow her on Instagram at karenturnerauthor. You can find Literary Elixirs on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Literary Elixirs. And if you're interested in more information, such as notes and photos from each episode, check out literaryelixirs.com. If you've been enjoying what you've been listening to, please leave an Apple review, even if you don't listen that way. Apparently, it really does help people find out about the podcast. And enjoy all Elixirs responsibly. Remember, books go with pretty much anything. Anything.